Welcome to Best Boys, a film podcast. An amateur film study podcast for the average show, the buffest buffs, and the cringiest bingers. I'm your host, JP, and I'm joined by my brother, professional Hollywood videographer, Corey, with a story. And I'm here to make honorable remarks of two awesome Japanese films. <laughs> wow, wow. What a formal greeting that you'd give. I think that, but I mean, that shows the respect that you have, um, have for, for what we're doing today. Honestly, I didn't, I, I kind of, you know, you know, but you don't know. It's kind of one of those things. Um, you kind of know about something through references and osmosis and, uh, the pop culture and influences, you know, I've, we've seen so many things that have referenced, um, at least seven samurai, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go through a few things that I know right off the top of my head um, uh, in a minute. But w- before we get into it, um, welcome back. How are you doing? How are things? Uh, good, good. Uh, pretty, pretty business as usual on my end. Uh, working on a music video this weekend that I'm gaffing. And I don't know any of the details about it other than it's candlelight. So that'll be fun and dark and difficult. Yeah, sounds hard. Um, (laughs) That's cool. That's cool. Music video, getting back to your roots, getting back to your roots. Um, Yeah, it's been a while. So as far as Akira Kurosawa, I want to know what you know, what you knew about him before uh, we did this. And about, uh, and you you, you touched upon uh, what you know, or maybe what what you don't know about Japanese cinema but um but you want to go briefly go into that as well yeah uh like last week don't know really anything about japanese cinema um the only really things we really got into growing up and and later in life was just anime and manga or manga but uh i i seven samurai and just knew from college but uh uh, never associated it with a name because it's just i hate i wasn't the best student in college but uh, we had seen clips of this before um but that was about it. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty new to to this. Seen seen a lot more Korean films than I've seen Japanese films at this point. Wow, I mean that says something about um the way that Korean cinema has kind of come on in the last uh five mm-hmm. years or so. Um, but I have always known uh this guy's name, and I've always known he makes good films. Do you remember the Bare Naked Ladies song One Week? Yeah, it's going on one week. Well, there's a line. And the guy that's like doing the rap singing part, uh, he yeah. says something about a Kurosawa. I make mad films. Okay, I don't make films, but if I did, I was a samurai. I used to have the whole thing fucking memorized, and oh, I wow. could say that's... the whole thing. It was like how I. It was like Proto taught me how to rap, but other than rap, you know, um, yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's just like the white people singing that song. Um, I always would just say the thing. lyrics. I would always say the lyrics, but not really knowing what they meant or what they referenced uh, or anything. So it's just kind of like, you're just kind of saying it because you're like for me, at least because I'm just a kid and it's a catchy song that we had the CD for. Um. So I uh, so I knew he made samurai movies, and then the other thing later, a little bit later in life, I knew is that Star Wars was supposedly heavily uh, influenced by uh, Akira Kurosawa and uh, specifically Seven Samurai. Um, and I can totally see that, um, where it's like a band of rebel, you know, almost like the, the bandits are the, the bad guys and, uh, the empire and the, 
the rebels and the samurai. The samurai are the Jedi, and the uh, the you know the villagers are the just the pe- the regular old people. Um, yeah, and um, and just in a loose sense, obviously. But I don't think beyond. I wanted to it also before I go even past that. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, the Western the Magnificent Seven. Well, that I've was heard a, of it, yeah. it's a Western adaptation of Seven Samurai. Um, and then that was, you know, remade like, I think recently in the, in the, like a few years ago, maybe five yeah, I years say ago. Chris Pratt, yeah. I want to say Chris Pratt was starring in it. it yeah. Was Chris just a Pratt. Ago. Yes. Um, so there you go. Those are, the, there's your connections. Um, I'm also, I think I'm vaguely familiar with the actor Toshiro Mifune. I've seen his face, uh, before, um, and that, that iconic facial hair. Um, cause I think he's got it in a few films that he does. Um, but, but that's it for me. Um, and so I knew that these were really influential in like the kind of, the, it establishes a lot of tropes, I guess. I guess I did know that much just about seven samurai. I didn't know anything about Ron. Um, I think I've just seen memes recently from film groups I'm in on Facebook and, and meme pages I follow. And then there was some screenshots of it. that were really, really colorful. And I was just like, you know what? I really want to see this movie, and I have never seen this classic. So, what better, um, what better time than to do it for this podcast? And you know, you mentioned recently you haven't had a lot of uh, experience with Japanese cinema, and honestly, it made me realize that I hadn't outside of um, uh, uh, anime as well. So, we did it. Here we are, and uh, obviously, I think we should start with Seven Samurai, the classic. Um, yeah. Um, but boy, did not know that this was a uh, near four-hour Snyder cut length epic. Um, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, honestly, this was uh, this is a big undertaking going into it, and I I also just I assumed it'd just be in the two to two and a half hour mark. I thought it'd be, I could be three. I was prepared for three, um, but I did not think n- nigh four. It was like what three forty six, three forty five, something like that. I thought, I thought it was three twenty six. Oh, what did I see? You saw it watched on HBO Max, right? Uh, yeah. See, uh, when you Google it, it says two hours and twenty one minutes. Yeah, that definitely was not that. It was. It was more than three hours. Yeah, I thought it was three and a half, um, but I might have just maybe have maybe it was three and a half. And yeah, yeah, you're right. Three hours and twenty six minutes. Um, it's long. It's, it's long. Yeah, yeah. Regardless, it was long, and I it, it, I was worried about that when you hear a big ass number, and we complain about this all, all the time lately. Um, but when it's you an see, old movie. When you hear a big number, um, and especially if you don't have a lot of experience watching older films, that could sound like it's going to be bad. But I think that the way this movie is put together and structured, um, like it has such an influence on modern movies that it still feels fine. Um, And honestly, if you, I didn't break it up. I actually did watch it um, mostly all together. I think I had the little bit at the end um, left. Um, But... Um, I, yeah, it actually isn't bad at all. If it was a really good, I was interested in seeing the team get put together. And then I was interested in seeing how they defended, um, 
you know, the village and, you know, all the traps and everything, like Home Alone traps. Um, there's a lot of, of like, and I'm going to, I just drew connection to Home Alone. Um, <laughs> uh, but how many of you know the heist movie that has to put the, the gang together where you spend yeah, like the yeah. first act of the movie trying to find your, your teammates? Um, this does that. This is, I, I think this is known for establishing that trope. Um, there's things like yeah, that that you're like, wow, this could have been the first time somebody's ever done this. It very much seems like this is the based on on what everyone says about it, and now seeing it, like this is the uh, uh, the team uh, getting movement. This is the you son of a bitch. I'm in. Uh, you son of a bitch. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. It's 1954. You know, this is yeah. Um, <laughs> that's interesting to consider. Um, did you I, keep, I kept saying that every time somebody joined the crew. I was like, you son of a bitch. I'm in. <laughs> Westerns, I think, were really dominant in uh, America around this time. And I guess that apparently that that's why it was uh, it did well in America was because um, it, it very much feels like a Western, but in a you know feudal Japan skin. Um, yeah, like a, a Ronin's just a cowboy, you know, just a drifter. Um, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you're right. Um, you know, it's a different, it, it it just works. It works. Mm. Um, and it's a really interesting world. Um, you know, but, um, man, is this a really good cast? Honestly, good cast of characters. The lead, the two leads, uh, Takashi Shimura and Toshiro Mifune. Um, uh, Takashi, uh, plays like our old, uh, veteran, um, samurai and uh, uh, Toshiro Mifune plays uh, K- uh Kikuchio, uh, who is the drunken, uh, silly samurai. And um, I read in the production notes, uh, not, uh and like on the wiki, honestly, that um, originally, um, Toshiro Mifune was supposed to be the the old the old guy, and. Um, they and the movie was supposed to be called Six Samurai, and they realized that it was pretty boring to have six sober samurai. So they <laughs> made a seventh character. They written a, wrote in a seventh character and recast Toshiro Mifune to be him, and uh, and to add like a little more spice and liveliness to the movie. And honestly, yeah. he's like the 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 kind of the centerpiece of the film, um, mm-hmm. and makes it like really breeze into life. Of the movie. One other note I wanted to, while we're on the subject of the the character of Kikuchio, is um, is uh, uh the way he moves and how like uh, he he kinetic he is on the screen and uh, apparently that uh, he was instru- Akira Kurosawa instructed him or didn't instruct him at all and advised the uh, the actor to uh, improvise all of his movements. Um, so that's why you like see him like do these weird like spin around and then he'll just spin around again and like he's like reacting to what the other actors are doing, but he doesn't know what they're gonna do almost. Like it's not it's not like blocked. It's not yeah, like I'm yeah. sure if it didn't work, they took out the take or something like that. But you could mm-hmm. just really see like a uh an, an organic energy into some of the movements and I think that it adds something to the character. Um but uh but yeah i i know i went right into the char- into uh the main character but um i feel like it's a big part of the movie what what do you what are you thinking 
Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. The it it's very. This would have been a way different film if you didn't have that. If you didn't have the because uh, his whole his whole like backstory, like being like from a farmer uh, and stuff like that, helps shape his character of why he is and why he's like shit talks to samurai the entire time he's around him and everything. Um, and it yeah, just we learn his really... story slowly through the movie. Like we just see him as the trope as like you, the drunk. And then you find mm-hmm. out that he's actually really skilled. And then you find out that he has like a past and, a mo- and there's a reason why he like his trauma that he, he uh, you know, heals with the alcohol or he numbs with the alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Uh, speak, speaking of that, I do. And this is something to say for Rand too. I love the fact that they, they, they make a point to have like emotional men and which is like in, in us films, especially at the time you'd never really see. It's all about the, the masculine cowboys don't cry. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, but in this, and and Rand specifically, it's just uh, it's it's so much just like weight to the characters that you get nowadays in male writing, um, in America at least. It's uh, so super like forward thing. Like, granted, it's more of a cultural thing, but um, I, I just appreciate seeing it. Yeah, there was a line in the second movie in Ron that uh, we'll talk about when we get there. But uh, hopefully, I remember. But um, that kind of had to do with crying that I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, there is good, like one liners all the time in both of these, not all the time, but they come up in these films. You're just like, Oh, whoa, that's a good line. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but you just sleep, sleep on the movie. Cause even this movie, it, you kind of settle into a, your typical adventure movie. Um, and so it's not that deep. It's just, you know, uh, other than that, it's establishing, uh, you know, archetypes, but beyond that, it's just, it's just a fun adventure movie, uh, but there is there is like cool uh, or or like lines that come and hit you, and you're just like, oh wow, uh, that was was kind of deep. Um, I don't know. I I really enjoyed I really enjoyed this movie a a lot. Uh, it is long, and I mean, you really if you have the time, and uh, but for for like like for being a movie from the fifties, it really feels like a, a much uh, newer film. It because it. it the pacing of it is really interesting and um and you're you're just kind of spending time with these characters a lot like they they have these moment these longer moments um and then once the action does come it really takes its time as well and you kind of uh, oh we're going to have action for a while and then we're going to have the like the the battle at the end is kind of broken up into a couple nights and uh, yeah i I wanted to ask you about how do you, how did you feel that for every time there was any kind of an action thing, you just like, and Rand does this a lot, but it just, you sh- it just shows the entire setup rather than just getting into the goods. Like every, it, it, it shows like each and every bit, uh, leading into whatever fight. And then it shows every single bit of what every single like, uh, team is doing. Oh, like um, the preparation and like, yeah, every, like you, every bit it, of it leading it, up yes. to it. There's no cut. You, like to the exactly shit. like it is bloated like it, it bloated quote unquote but it is filled uh and like padded with those moments i can't i feel like if in, in modern day those moments would have been cut down or taken out or whatever and you'd have like a normal like two and a half hour movie for something like that this scale um but it's kind of it, but time, I, it's very I think that, oh, i nice seeing it i was gonna say like there is something that um is interesting about seeing this like the more um, finer details of what's happening because um, it is more immersive. It feels more realistic. It feels more less yeah. fantastical when you're seeing um, in greater detail. I've seen Seven Samurai adapted into like 
some like I I'm I'm just gonna say this. Star Wars The Clone Wars, I know, has a specific Seven Samurai episode, and they just boil it down um, really quick into like a 30, you know, 23 minute episode of the show. <laughs> um, and I and I remembered that. Uh, but uh, I really do. I really do enjoy, you know, spending time with these people and um, getting to know the village because the village is very shut off at first from everybody because they're afraid. And you kind of learn more and more about the different characters and the dynamics and um, specifically the character Shino, which is presented as a, a character presented as a boy. And um, we find out that she's actually a girl and the, the young samurai, um, I, forget which though this one cat's a hero was the character's name uh he falls in love with her and um they you know it's a, it's an issue because they he ends up sleeping with her in the end and the dad is like ready to fucking kill the thing himself her or anyone over this yeah <laughs> um boy that's the thing we need to talk about before the end is the ending of this film really leaves all that up in the air. It does not. It, it's like, oh, he might just dip. He he yeah. he he's he might be the fuck out of here. Uh, and your fears, what? that dad's fears, might be true. Well, well, at the end, wasn't it? it he he like goes to like like reach after, her and she just keeps walking, and then he just follows her. Uh... Oh, I, the, I remember at the end she was singing. She was like one of those people singing, those girls singing and picking uh, yeah, shit yeah. out of the water. And the samurai guy, the young guy, was just staring at her. But she, yeah, they, like she was turned away from him. And then it, like the old guy, like looks up at the hill, and and they, and then that's it. It just ends. I feel like oh it did- yeah no, right after right in there, there's a moment where she walks past him and he like reaches his arm out, his arm out, and she just like keeps walking. And then there's like a a pause, and it's like a wide shot of the three samurais left. And then uh, the the young guy just like wa- like heads after the girl. Uh, oh, because I was like out. screaming. I was like, no way. Are they gonna like? Leave it up like that motherfucker. No, no, yeah, he, just he, dip? he goes after her. <laughs> okay, okay, wow. I must have I must have looked away or something. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't blame you at that point when it's three and a half hours in. I mean, like, I'm like one of the last shots. Yeah, I it must have been an accident, but that man, that would have been wild. Still cool. I mean, <laughs> even though it end, ended on a, a positive, all positive note, other than honestly, a lot of characters died. Um, oh, so sad. More dad than I thought would. I, yeah, I and I think that w- that adds to the weight is not being afraid to kill characters people like. Um, you yeah. know, uh, Kikuchio is the number probably the most likable character, and they kill him, and then they also kill the most badass of them all, like the best swordsman guy. Um, yeah, I think his I forget which. Uh, I honestly had a hard time keeping track of. All I know Heiachi. I knew he- who Heiachi was. Um, yeah, Hayachi was the first to die. He was like, yes. the happy guy. He was uh, kept everybody, yes, like, yes. Upbeat. Um, um, and Katsuhiro is the oh, young oh, is the young one. one. Dice Shichi uh, Shichiroji, I think is. I think he's one of the shorter ball guys. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, then Kyo- the swordsman is, Who's... The, is the sword... Kyozu. Yeah, Kyozu. Yes, the serious, Kyozu. stone-faced, supremely skilled swordsman. Uh, I'm sorry, Kyozo. Yeah, Kyuzo. Kyuzo. Um 
Yeah, he's badass, uh, and there's an awesome scene in the beginning where we just see him murder oh, this dude so in cold blood, and he's just like warning oh, you. Know, so he warns him not to like give up his life, and I'm like, is he really gonna do it? I, I like honestly kept thinking like it, it was very much like a uh, it felt like a shootout, you know, in a western. Yeah. Um, I was like, is he gonna kill him? And he does. Yeah. I mean, he had his chance. I mean, they did the 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 wooden sword thing. Well, I thought they hit part. each other at the same time, so I was like, "Oh, is it? I wasn't sure." And then the second. Yeah, well, I, I think it was like, the point. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It was cool. I it's really like liked he, how that was. He notices done. that minute detail of quickness because he's a samurai. Uh, that that um, guy didn't. Um, these movies for different up. reasons uh, held my attention so well for being. Uh, so long. Um, this one, I, I think, just be, from being a big adventure movie, I think, and and I mean, it is tropey, um, but it, but yeah. uh, I think that they're easy to, to digest. Like these are like the kid, like the, I see a lot of anime. I think also take influence from these. I think shonens I've seen, um, mm. I can think of, um, but uh, I don't know. I, I this one uh, is definitely a little long. Um, but, uh, but definitely wards or it's time. What, what were you going to say? Um, oh, I was going to say, yeah, I, I didn't, which this is going to sound terrible, but I, I didn't really like get gripped, gripped until once the, like once the team got back to the, the, uh, right before the intermission, once the team got back to the, the, the village and they started like, uh, planning everything out. And then it, that just really like got me for the whole rest of it. Um, I'll see. I like the team there. putting the band okay. together part, and then I did. I was really into the the prep, and then obviously seeing how hard... the prep worked, I was into. Yeah, that. yeah. I had a hard time keeping track of uh, of all the names and everything when they were doing the. Uh, they're getting like assembling the team. See, um, see, this is one thing I wanted to compliment both of these films about, and it's something that I think war movies in general have an issue with. Is um, I watched Band of Brothers recently. And it was really good. Um, and but I kept thinking to myself, man, war movies—it's really hard to tell people apart when everybody, especially when everybody's white. Um, like, it, they're all wearing the same uniforms. Everyone's got their helmets on. Everyone's got the same guns. Really, I mean, some people got different guns, but you mostly everyone looks the same. But in both of these films, I really appreciated how each individual character had their own vibe and style that you could tell them apart easily. Like I didn't need to know the names because mm. I could easily identify each of them on the screen. Like uh, obviously Kikuchio is the drunk guy. The the swordsman had like the 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 dark color and just like the more cloth stuff. The old yeah. guy was bald, the young guy was young. You could easily tell him apart. Um and then mm. the two the two uh, heavier guys, the one had a baby face and the one one had a beard. And that was kind of in there, but all their dress was different um, mm. enough as well. And it really, and, and then once they were in battle, they really were dressed different. Um, like, yeah, the old, I, I love that the, that the drunk guy during battle was wearing only the armor top and no pants. And then you see another and, and no arms. And then another guy is wearing only the arms and nothing else. And then another guy's wearing only the pants and nothing. Cause they had yeah. one set of armor. Oh uh, yeah. Yes, that's right. Well, that's right. It's pretty funny. Um, but also like it, it helped keep distinguish people and how like the different patches of armor, like everybody, um, uh, mm -hmm. like stood out and you could tell people apart 
Um, when like even uh, I was thinking about it as Japanese armor that time is kind of like I was thinking about those facial armor pieces. Like uh, even the bandits, some of them had like little pieces on their heads or on the side of their faces or like on their heads and around their faces, um, like the pieces of metal protective stuff. Um, and it really you could tell individual people apart um, visually, and I think that that's something that. Um, that kind of translates into other Japanese stuff I've seen with anime and video games. Um, that that character design, there's a lot of uniqueness to each individual character mm-hmm. on a on a show or on a in a video game or something. And this kind of yeah. reminded me of that. I was like, everyone has their own look and vibe and really stands out from each other. And without learning everyone's names. I still, my brain knows who each of these characters' stories are from just the what they look like. Uh, and the the next film goes even a step further with yes, uh, yes. With what I, I'm going to save my fun. I have a funny yeah, comment about it. I'll let's say. yeah. I want to. There's so much I want to say about about Ron. Like this movie is just just such a classic and such an establisher of so many things. But Ron yeah. is really where I saw the real like specialness. Of, of what like the range you know like this is like your more normal kind of movie like like an adventure movie but ron is a much more artistic um effort and i'm really excited to talk about it um so before um we get any further um one thing i keep thinking about is even in this film cinematography wise there are some really cool shots i keep thinking about the shot of the village that's from the top of this hill. I at first I was like, "That's those are miniatures. They gotta be miniatures. This this angle is so high up and over. Like it can't have like a crane or like a or like a helicopter. Definitely not like a helicopter or anything." Um, and then um, but then uh, they kept going back to that shot of the air, like almost aerial shot of the village, and you could see like it. You were just on the top. It's at the bottom of this valley, and you're on the top of this really really high hill. Um, or mount, I don't know, mount, almost small mountain. Um, yeah, that, which I, I love the um, I love that shot because uh, when you pair that with their their planning of all the different like fortifying all the different like places they can attack, it really gives you a sense of the actual layout. It's of like the a map. Yeah, it's like yeah, a map. You have the 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 mountains that they can attack from, or they can attack from the south, or they can come from the river, or they can come uh, if we flood the crops after harvest. They can, that blocks this entrance. Like, um, do you really? Everyone had. Or you knew where everything was in correlation to each other. Uh, I thought it did a really good job for, especially for the time uh, that this was made and everything. And um, but uh, I want to say this is a side note, and I just, just I don't want to forget it. But man, to movies, and this is American movies too, but movies that uh, or things that take place back in like the 1500s or, or like early ass times, the disregard for for one's own life and those lives around them is nuts. And ran especially compared to this one, but uh, um, yeah, yeah, I think that the willingness to die, throw your life away for any reason at all is nuts yeah, to me. yeah, I think about it, and like I'm, I got into a World War II hole after watching Band of Brothers, and I was thinking about it. It's not like it's even that long ago that people were dying in the dying in the millions and hundreds yeah. of thousands and or ten in a battle or something. It's just crazy. Yeah. I uh, I've been going down a similar hole just because of the Ukraine war. I've just been trying to like, learn about like the history of like all the borders in the countries, Europe, like, yeah, wars and stuff. And man, yeah, it's like one of those one of the earliest battles in like World War One. There was 
uh, 300,000 casualties on each side, and that was only like a week-long battle. Yeah, uh, like, war, yeah, yeah, War War One is a meat grinder. Um, but uh, yeah, okay, well, well, I'd love to talk about that, but um, let's let's continue here with uh, Seven Samurai. Um, so, uh, I really like. I said I like the costume designs a lot. I like. There's a lot of comedy in this, um, and it's like mm. a little slapstick, but there's actually a lot of good um, written dialogue and written comedy too. Um, like I laughed out loud at both of these movies and I was really surprised. I didn't expect to, especially Ron. Um, I did not expect to laugh out loud a lot. And, uh, but it's a lot of fun. Sam- seven Samurai was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And, um, I don't know, big, really liked it a lot. Big fan. And, uh, it just kind of like set me up with a nice foundation, um, mm. to go from here. Um, is there anything I, you wanted to? Uh, so apparently, this is the uh, at the time was the largest budget for a Japanese film of one point one million dollars, uh, one hundred twenty five million wow. yen. Wow, that's a lot of money for back then. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, what you? I guess you can see it. There's a huge cast. The costumes, the um, the location, and everything, uh, the sets. Um, and every, so were there any scenes that stood out to you that you wanted to touch on? Um, because we, you know, we talked about the prep and the action, um, and there's one in particular that I wanted to, but I was curious what you had. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, I mean, I just like that in, on the very first day of the final battle, the, uh, when they let the one or two horses in and then you watch it go from each section of it trying to get somewhere and it's just being greeted by like villagers with spears and ambush and stuff um that was just so that was just so fun to have to do because you just see the oh shit on everybody who gets put into that literal meat grinder of a of a roundabout um yeah yeah it was just done really well shown really well everything is just everything about it was just uh especially for its time i i wanted to say this earlier and i forgot but this i'm more into what this did for cinema and think in that than what citizen kane did uh, I mean, there's probably. I, I think that you're more into movies like this than uh, Citizen, the movies like Citizen Kane. I honestly think they're both really important. Um, Citizen mm-hmm. Kane's older than this, though, so I think yes, that's what makes it even exactly. more more special. Um, it's just how old, how progressive it was for how old it was. Um, mm-hmm. I love Citizen Kane. I really liked it, but I really like this, and I think it's just. This is a fun adventure movie, so it's it's easy to digest. I think children could watch this movie and get into it, um, and uh, just because it's a really easy story to to understand and get behind, and um, it's like it's used like it's used so much um, in stories, uh, adventure movies, which are I feel like the adventure movies are primarily loved by kids um, as mm-hmm. much as grown ups are the love them like to say they're the ones that own these marvel movies or whatever but i feel like ultimately um kids are what's drive struggle what's gonna remember and drive this shit mm-hmm. um um so all right all right are we ready to score already uh we're, yeah, ha- we're at so. a half hour i don't think that's anything wrong with that oh no, no there's one scene i right the one scene i wanted to talk about um oh. we did talk about the the sex the affair the love tryst but the other thing I wanted to talk about is the scene with um, Kikuchio where he bring, he finds out that 
the farmers have this stash of weapons and armor that they've taken from like samurai that and and uh bandits that they've hunted down um you know as they've left or whatever the village uh, or straggler bandits or whatever and uh and he he has the armor on he brings it to the other samurai and they're just like what the fuck like no way dude i'm not going to wear some other samurai's armor or something like they say something like that like uh, um and uh it was it was like who do you think killed all those samurai and like implying that it was i i thought i i read it as implying it was like the villagers or the farmers or something yeah but it was uh it was weird it was, it was a weird scene well, no, that's what i thought they, that's what i'm saying like they were saying the villagers killed some like the villagers aren't innocent and uh killed some of those killed samurai and bandits like injured or fleeing from battle and they like you know they stalk the stuff um and uh and he uh he gets really emotional at that that they denied him and he says and he's honestly at this point he's really trying to help but they haven't fully accepted him yet and i think this speech is kind of like that turning point when they realize like how the fucking serious he even is about this cuz they i don't think they were taking him seriously and uh and he's just like crying and screaming at them like y- what the fuck like these samurai probably have caused unresponsible for much of the suffering that the farmers have and um and that's when he ex- reveals that he's an orphan farmer's son um and he gets real sad and it's a really touching moment and the performance is really good and um and it's like it just shows you the range of the movie um, I mm. think, and I think it's one of the most important scenes. I, I noticed on HBO Max that the it's the picture is uh, Kikuchio like screen like his crying screaming face, and when I saw that before the movie, I assumed it was just like something in battle because he's wearing armor. Mm. And now that I know the context, um, it's like so different. And, and yeah, it's one of the more powerful scenes in the film. It really, she yeah, really does show you the range um, that what's going on here. But that's all. I yeah, just I, wanted to make sure I talked about that. Yeah, I forgot about that one. I, I'd mentioned earlier when he, uh, uh, I'd mentioned something about that scene earlier, but just forgot about that whole speech and everything. That is a really good one. That's probably the like the biggest emotional weight moment of the whole movie. That um, and well, then there's a moment. There's like moments later where you find out that uh, the one guy in the village's wife is a uh, like a concubine for the bandits, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. and and she kills herself after she sees him out of shame and uh obviously the stuff with Shino and uh Katsuhiro Katsushiro and uh the, the dad like being like he's like I might kill my daughter I might kill myself I might try to kill a samurai I don't know mm-hmm. he's like so confused with anger and um but you know and like it kind of brings down the mo uh, the morale of everyone in the village for some reason <laughs> for the next fight it's raining the next day and everyone's like sad yeah. um and, and uh there was a really funny line because everyone else is looking sad and the old man just walks up to katsushiro and he's like uh you're gonna have to do some work today son and and uh <laughs> and the young guy looks up at him like confused he's like yeah because uh, last night you became a real man and I like busted <laughs> out laughing like oh my yeah. god <clears throat> yeah um but uh it's uh, it's really surprising I think that's how good old movies are I've seen some good old um westerns too like Jimmy Stewart or even John I saw a John Wayne movie that I really liked called uh 
um, the man who shot Liberty Valance. And, uh, and you just like sleep on it. Cause like, Oh, it's old. Oh, it's a Western. I know how these go, but there are good ass movies like peppered in there. And you just, um, have to get point in the pointed in the right direction. And this is definitely an example of an old movie that is, uh, I totally get. And, um, it was a really good time. So what are you giving? Seven Samurai. Um, honestly, for everything it's done culturally, what it is at the time, and or like for what it, it it became at the time with the limitations and everything, uh, it's it's like a, it's the probably the first Japanese. I'm gonna leave it at a five four and a half. Uh, the Jap- it's probably the first Japanese movie to have an impact, uh, in America. I think. Big, like yeah. a significant impact. Um, I'm going to give it a five. Um, I I could see argue I'd be fine if somebody gave it a four and a half just in modern terms because of the length, but I think even in modern terms mm. it holds up. Um, and is well very, very well made, and I can see why you know Star Wars. I want to see why George Lucas loves Kurosawa and and particularly um a mm. movie, this kind of movie. Um, but yeah, seven samurai. So let's, are we ready to move on to the, to the big boy? Cause this is the one that I was excited to see, but I was excited to see both of them. But coming out of this, I think I am most excited to talk about Ron. Um, yeah, this was just felt, this was just felt a lot different. And, uh, in every way, shape, oh, he's, form he's of, matured and chained. Like you can just see like, this is 30 years of growth. Um, like somebody who has this I mean, big ass hit early, you know, I'm sure I don't think seven Samurai is his first movie. I think it's like his first big movie and big, big, obviously global hit. Um, yeah, it's like his like 12th movie. Apparently it was also a flop. Um, it was not, uh, it was a flop in box office. Oh no, no, not in box office, but it was a flop in terms of critically, critically in Japan. Um, but now it is considered it has a uh, critical acclaim. Uh it's cri- more it critical is, acclaim in the west apparently. It is his 14th movie in 11 years. Damn. Yeah, the but also apparently the movie did the like it wasn't received well in Japan so uh so much so that um he would was not financed another movie for 5 years by Toho. I thought that was that was interesting to note. So this is at a, an interesting point in his career. Probably a little, probably a little more experimental. Um, but uh, yeah, looking at his filmography, that really didn't stop him. He's got movies coming out every year, every other year after that. Um, well, that's that's wild. Um, yeah, it was, his next film was the next year. I live in fear, and then two years after that, two more. Is there a feature? Is it feature length? It's under his uh, filmography as director uh, for films. Well, is it? Yeah, I don't. Is it feature length? Well, it, it doesn't say. I'm just on the Wikipedia filmography. Oh, well, I thought you could click through to the thing, and then you could tell me. But anyways, um, yes, yeah, yeah, feature length. Um, yeah, this. So this is a different point in his career, and I think that you're. Uh, with uh, there are a handful of directors I think that kind of make a transition from black and white films 
to color and then they really like get a feel and have appreciation for the, how to use it. Um, there's like, I forget there's some, some, a French film that I saw a YouTube video about and I didn't see it myself, but it, they were talking about that kind of thing where like when color TVs and color, uh, movies were a new thing, like directors and filmmakers are really trying to figure out how to, how to work with it. Um, this is obviously, you know, 20, ish years 25 30 almost 30 uh years of color uh at this point well not 30 but about 20 ish years of color um at this point but i just think about this as somebody that maybe has had a now had a chance to really work with it they're at an experiment more experimental point in their career um and uh you saw, just obviously you see the the mature uh the maturity um of this film this might be one of the best uses of color I have ever seen in a movie. Um, I've called off on some other takes about saying best and greatest, but I think that is one that I can easily say. Um, I well, let me let me just tell you how I, I think this movie looks phenomenal. But let me just set the stage for the color for those who for those who might be waiting to see it. All right. Feudal Japan, 1985. Zordon enters. <laughs> what? Oh, the old. They man. look like the Power Rangers. Oh, oh, like because the of the, the prime. Because they're like primary colors. Um, Every yeah, each brother's their own bright color, and then the, we're the all jester primary. guy, yellow, red, the, and blue. Um, yeah. And the jester guy's got like red, and it's mostly it's red, the, blue, the, and yellow. It's like 80s. It's like eighty stripes and polka dots and stuff that like make, but it's yeah, like the proper. I can see thing. that uh, I, with some of the designs, but it's also very influenced by like stuff of the time. Um, it's very intentionally very bright. The costuming is very bright. Um, yeah, a lot of floral floral costumes on everybody. Yeah, uh, colorful patterns. Even the armor, everything is bright, um, and uh, it really stands out. Um, the, 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 there's a lot of daylight, um, really, really mm. clear sky daylight. Um, and it, it really makes everything pop a lot of green grass, wide shots of grasslands and hills and for like trees and landscapes. And then, but then there's one particular battle around a castle where it's very gray and there's smoke mm. in the air and it's a little bit of a hazy sky, but honestly, all the color stands out even more. Um, in that section of the movie, um, when there's flames, it's like glowing and it's beautiful. There's one particular shot that I keep seeing and I'll pull it up for YouTube. Um, the, there's like the yellow soldiers and the red soldiers and the castles yeah. on fire and the old man's walking down the stairs and it is All just white. framed so perfect. It's like Wes Anderson framing, um, of, you know, way ahead of that. Um, is the fr like the color and the framing and the like the the not it's not always like symmetrical symmetrical but it's the way the color is used it 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 is. Um, yeah, there's know. there's a lot of great balance in the uh, in the camera work and, and placement and the production design and everything. Everything is using the frame. I think I think to like uh, to to its advantage, uh, maximizing what it can do with the 
within the confines of the frame. Um, you had uh, brought up before the podcast about the the shot where it's the the guys are like talking in the foreground, and then there's like the an army like formation formation in the background. But you still have all that bright color, the green of the grass. You've got the red soldier uniforms, the white flags. It's so clear um, too. It's, everything's so clear. Like the yeah. It, I don't know. Every, you know how they very say like pose very well. Every shot is definitely a painting in this movie. If that's what constitutes good cinematography, I would say that damn near everything is uh, could be a painting in this movie. At least once you get to, like, I mean, there's the opening s- scene with them sitting and talking, which is all beautiful to me. Um, and then, obviously, the battles and all of the stuff with the troops. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, like, all that stuff is, is just gorgeous. And... Uh, um, the, I feel like I could have watched this movie with no subtitles, no dub, and still enjoyed it because of just yeah. how visually pleasing it was to the eyes. Just so watching the armies like churning and the and the flags all running in on each other and um, uh, yeah, v- very very pleasing visually. Yeah, and this is a. Uh, um... To go off of what we, I was saying in, in uh, Seven Samurai about just like within going with the cinematography, um, how they just show everything like the the shots where they're just spending like five min- extra minutes just showing every guy get into formation and do all the stuff. And you have the uh, or like, like towards the end in the last battle when they call for the foot soldiers to like line up and they're just like doing all not only are they coming from the back and coming up, but they're also doing this like weird choreography pattern to like all get in shape. But it just holds on it in real time on this like beautiful wides. And then it goes into like another wide, but it's a lot closer where they're still re- like being able to re- actually run across the screen. And, and uh, it just um it adds tension uh, in a way that you would think it wouldn't based on how much time is given to these shots. Um, yeah. From like yeah, a modern you, filmmaking perspective. And I think, it, like I said, you don't get bored because it's so visually interesting. Um, like it's like, uh, uh, I don't know. It's so visually interesting that, it, but then it adds the tension because you are aware of what the story is, of what is going on in the story and what is happening. And you're just like, you're not kind of sure where it's going to go yet. And you're just kind of watching the, the fight load, so to speak. Um, cause everyone's got to get in their positions and whatnot. Um, but it's so pleasing to watch. It's satisfying to watch. Um, and like soothing and hearing all the horses, like, just, I don't know. There's not a lot of music. Um, it can't, they, there is music, but it's not, there's a lot of silence. And then there is a straight up, one of the battles has no sound and is all music. And all score, and I thought that that yep. was a really interesting contrast because that was the you know not the grass that was the castle uh, siege. Yeah, I guess yeah. you want to talk. I don't know because it's not siege, but the castle attack. Um, but uh, yeah, in, in the middle of the movie, uh, castle attack, right? Not at the end. Yeah, the middle one. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> the, the one where the uh, old man gets attacked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of the old man and I, this, this was, I don't think this is a hot take, but this is the hottest take I'll have on this. Um, this is a movie that has two peaks of silliness that bring you down to just very serious and sadness. Uh, the, like when it starts off with the old man on the mountain, it just and he's like having his little dementia or whatever. Yeah. He falls asleep. He falls asleep. It's very silly. 
is very silly. Yeah. And then how he's like going off on his kids and what he's saying is also very silly. And then how he's reacting to his son, like uh, who he's just put in charge, like giving orders and stuff is, is it's kind of uh, not, not cartoony, but a little bit hammy. Um, but then it just like, by the time he gets to that first battle, it gets serious as fuck. But then as soon as the old man wanders out of that battle after it's over, it goes back to silly for me because, because yeah, he's, he's like just, insane. It, yeah, he's lost his, his makeup line. is yeah, his makeup is ridiculous. He's oh, got, it's like, so green, much heavier. Buggy eyes. Yeah, the gray it's so face. heavy. It's, and he's just walling around with just that the uh, that uh, I can't think of his name. The jester guy just yeah, yelling the at him the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then it just keeps getting. And then the like the reality sets in for the jester, and then you almost feel like the reality sets in for the for the audience. And it just starts getting more and more sad. After yeah. And sadder. And, sadder. Yeah. And, uh, and the saddest thing about this movie is the very last shot, which I think it's the very last shot, which isn't even the old man and, and, and the son, uh, Soberu. It's Sumar. It's Sumaru it, or Sue's brother, it, the blind, the blind brother. Yeah. It's the blind guy whose sister never came back. And he drops the one thing that his sister gives him to remember her by. Like, you won't be alone. Yeah, and he's yeah. blind, so he's never going to get that back. And he has <laughs> no idea where he is. I thought the same and thing. Just, I was like, oh, damn. I, I was like, this is the saddest shit I've ever seen. Fuck everybody else. This dude is just had has nothing, has had nothing, and has stripped away the only thing he has. No flute. No no poster from his, from his sister. <laughs> no and it was poster. So, yeah, yeah. it's the saddest shit I've seen in a very long time. That was up there and some of the saddest shit I've ever seen. And as and what he no, was this a is boy, a tragedy. This had, movie is definitely had, a tragedy. Yeah. And as a boy, the same guy had his eyes gouged out by the king. Yeah. The yeah. yeah, the king was a piece of shit. <laughs> and he's kinda getting his just due. But also it's it's kinda sad because his sons are all killing each other and yeah. um the I only you, son that's good is the one he exiled. Like, yeah, yeah. But he, the, to be fair, his son was acting like a little, little asshole in the beginning of the movie. Uh, I thought he was. Like his dad was like trying to tell him what was everyone what was going on. He just like breaks the yeah. the arrows and just like fuck this, dad. I'm out of here. Yeah. Um, the uh, yeah, hey, he ended up being the best son. He ended up being the best son. He it's true. But then he gets killed. He ended up dead like the rest of them. Um, the old man's heart attack was 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 sad, but slightly comical. Uh, it was yeah, expected, um, definitely expected. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was definitely like everyone else was acting more like um, straight, not straight, but like like a, a film, more, more film oriented. Yeah. Where I think he was much more theater, um, and like the makeup yeah. was even more theater, like theatric. Um, and I kind of like that. Uh, I like it, it added. There was something like how sickly and crazy and craven that the old man he looked because the makeup got crazier and crazier. As yeah, the movie man, when he had the the green bug eyes bulging towards the end, um, when he's got that straw hat with the flowers on it, it was just like, my god, <laughs> this is just wild looking. Um, I wanted to talk about. There's a few characters that I think are really interesting in this movie. The jester is probably. Uh, I think super interesting because they start out as like being silly and stupid and annoying. And then they, but like, then they sneak in these lines that are like wise as shit and just like, Oh wow. You're like the smartest one. Like, I think they're doing, he's there's like, they're doing something like that with the character. And that might be from the Shakespeare thing. I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. but I really liked that. And I wondered, um, obviously it's established that the, that the, uh, Hidetora, the king, has a 
bunch of concubines, a bunch of women that he sleeps with, and they protect him and whatever. And but I, I, the relationship that the jester and the king have, especially when the king dies, seems maybe like a little bit beyond. Um, I and, and just thought- also the 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 demeanor of the jester. I was just like, I got some 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 love vibes from them. Some sexual I, to, to, to romantic vibes. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought until about, until probably the two-hour mark that the Jester was a girl. I, oh, I did for the first scene. And then the more that they spoke, the more I... I yeah, I didn't pick it. up on it. And then I I, uh, I listened to the voice, and the voice was deeper than I, than I thought it was in the first half of the movie. And then I started paying attention, and everyone kept saying he and, and stuff. I was like, oh, so it is a guy. Um, well, that kind of changes how I felt about the whole first part of the film then, because I thought it was just like a, the the. At first, I thought it was like a daughter-like figure, but then I thought it was more like a, like he was like a concubine type thing. Um, because well, he has those concubines, because they like throw themselves in front of all those shots in that one yeah. one of this in the castle thing. Um, but yeah, I, I yeah I, I I mean I knew he was the jester. Because he called yeah, him a fool, that, and that's when I knew that hmm. he was a jester. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. What did you did you did you see that? You is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying like I I because of how it was written, and I it was hard to tell. Like I would have thought it was like an interest of of some kind or a mystery or like something because he was so adamant about about uh, uh I can't the jester always being around. Okay, but yes, yes. Um. And so I, I just thought there had to have been more of a relationship there, and and I just assumed that uh, not really. Kiyomi, Kiyomi. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kiyomi. Um, Kiyomi. Um, and uh, yeah, thought they were an interesting character. What also I thought was an interesting character was Lady Kaede, um, the wife of the first son. Who uh mm. stuck around, uh who somehow was trying to like engineer the family's destruction and, and basically she did, um, because they're mm. all dead by the end of the movie. And um and uh yeah, well, I really thought she was a cool character and how she kind mm. of manipulated the the red the red brother um into yeah. like she was gonna kill him and then she's like, nah, I'm just gonna fuck you instead. Like she just straight up dommed him and uh, and then just took over and was like, okay. Um, but then they uh, killed her. It was her pretty in the wild end. though. Yeah, when they killed her, the the dude just walks up and is like, yeah, it's over. And then immediately slice blood splatter. Um, yeah, it was very uh, Lady Macbeth vibes. Uh, which yeah, obviously yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But um, yeah, I like that whole thing. I had a the, I had a problem with this one. The same with the first one, which is a more it's a user error. But I had a hard time like following the plot after the first mountaintop scene, just because like the names of trying to get it used to everybody and everything. So I like didn't really hit me what was going on until it got to the uh, um, until they uh, the brothers team up or plan to team up and take out the uh, the the dad. See, um, I I did think the color the colors really helped because you knew who was on yeah. whose team. Um, so like, even if I didn't know the names, they did refer to names more in this, like Kuragane and, uh, like I, but I knew that Taro was yellow. I knew that Jiro was red and I knew that, uh, Saburo was blue. 
And I kind of, once that was established for me, the rest of the film got a lot easier. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I, I think that that's just something that these films do so well um, is actually the, the, this uses color to track the factions and the characters. In addition to these, these addition to these uh, really elaborate costumes and designs um, that yeah, I you don't be- need to, I think that's why we don't remember the names as much because the designs uh, and the character, how they look is just so fucking memorable. Yes, I agree. Now, I was going to ask this. It, now, I don't know if I, did you miss this or, or or was this just like at the end when they had those two extra faction armies that were there that just showed up? Like, I, I don't remember. OK, so the white uh, the white team was that old man in the beginning that offered Saburo okay, uh, his daughter. He's like, hey, you I might thought. get kicked out, but you can marry my daughter. And uh, so that was him. Um, I'm not I think the other guy was just one of the other the, the one guy in black. He was mm. uh, um, an advisor to one of the other ones. Gotcha, gotcha. Because there was a yeah, bunch, uh, there was a bunch of uh, people meeting in the beginning. The Ayabe, mm-hmm. Lord Ayabe, was one of those people. Um, gotcha. But yeah, I think that there. I think it's implied that that that, that guy is probably gonna take over um, now because uh, it is a kind of a bad ending ever since everybody's yeah. dead. Yeah, they follow the entire. Uh, Dynasty. This reminds me of Dynasty Warriors. I kept saying that a lot too. When I yeah, talking. well, it's Samurai Warriors, but uh, I think that that's yeah. why the Sengoku period of Japan. Um, it, it has a lot of uh, stories of of war and stuff like this, just like the the Three Kingdoms period of China does. Three Kingdoms period China is much earlier in history, but uh, I think it's a good few century before. But uh, but yeah, no, I think that's why the those, the the samurai warriors draws from this period where uh, versus dynasty warriors because I think they there's a lot that goes together. Um, there's guns in this period. I think is the big difference. Yeah. Um. The that was interesting seeing guns in the samurai seven samurai too. Well, I'm like uh, I looked that up because I had to be reminded how that works. Uh, worked. Uh, the Portuguese first made it to Japan in like the early 1500s. So um, this, I think, movie, uh, I think both of these movies took take place in the, I think either in like nine in in the like fifteen or sixteen hundred. The, the first one ta- is Samurai, Seven Samurai is fifteen sixty seven. Um, yeah, I, I believe the second one I don't remember. I think it's yeah. I was trying to find it real quick, but I didn't. I couldn't find it. Um, but yeah, there's something around that that period. Um, and, uh, so guns were new, but they, they did have them. Um, but it wasn't quite too like, you know, colonial time. Oh, I mean, it's colonial times, but it's more, uh, it's not like, you know, revolutionary war level stuff yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I mean, I don't really have a whole lot of else to say other than just like watch this movie. It's beautiful. And just like, just kind of relax and enjoy it and it's long too but it's only it's it felt like not long at all after watching the other one um <laughs> yeah and, this was definitely a, a quick view in comparison yeah it's just surprising how easy it was to watch even though what has like challenging content as far as the story like story simple but but it's also like weird and and strange well especially with like all the over the top performances um from the head of Torah. 
Um, Hidator is played by Tetsuya Nakadai, um, who was uh, not as old. He's actually still alive. He's 89 now. So wow. he wasn't that old then. Uh, he's like playing an older no, character. Um, that makeup is really good. I think, I mean, much as like you can tell it's makeup, it just really adds something to the, to the character. Um, and I liked, I like it. Um, uh, yeah. Do you have, so different. do you have anything else you want to, you want to talk about with Ron? Um, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a, it's a wild ride, but it's, it's, it's just so unique because the way it's pretty that it calm has, like, also. These, it's calm, but it has these heavy moments with, but with the silliness to it. Um, but it knows when to like a lot of range. Like what it, yeah, it dials in heavy when it needs to, uh, and it's silly when not always when it needs to be. But I know it probably wasn't intended to be silly back then. Um, just the action is just so surprisingly like peaceful. Um, yeah, I, I really liked. It was a little bit like stagey, but I really liked how the. In the castle, when Hidetora was like, all of his fucking dudes were dying, and in the middle part of the movie, and like all you keep seeing was like guns in the coming in the one window and shooting, yeah, and then you yeah. see like arrows coming in the one window and flying through, and it kept like doing it back and forth for a little while, and I thought that it was really cool, like even though it didn't it, like it looked like a little goofy at the same time, it just gave it a a, a vibe that I liked. Um, there's just a lot of style. This movie has a ton of style, um, and I'm a big sucker for style. I um, I said this to Corey before the podcast, but I think one of the things that I really enjoy in visual art, and when I was making a lot of uh, show flyers, um, I this came out a lot. It's just like a lot of obviously color pops. I love colors that pop, um, but I like like um, a big wide um canvas of one color and then these like little splashes of something complimentary and uh, these the, all I love the wides like it might be simple to just shoot a bunch of wides but there's just mm. like it's being able to set up these shots so meticulously it just pays off so well it looks so nice and having these with these bright colors um I know I you mentioned the the shot the it earlier but I wanted to really break it down specifically there's a shot towards the end of the film and you have the one army and uh, you see like some officers talking on the top of a hill, but in the distance you see another hill. Um, and like that's in the foreground and in the background you see another hill and you can literally watch the troops moving around and like getting in position on the other hill while the guys in the foreground are talking. And I'm just like, I was just like, this is the coolest fucking thing. Um, yeah, that was definitely one of the coolest shots I've seen in a while, and it was especially with it being sixteen by nine too. Like, I feel like that was something that you could even work in a four by three. Um, yeah, but really having that uh, expanded view for for this um, really adds to like the this the epic scope and, and scale of it. And also, Japan is just such a beautiful country. It's it's uh, depending on what part you're in, it's like a different uh, um biome like completely different look yeah yeah kind of like how the u.s like minecraft biomes yeah u.s the same way um yeah i think that the sh like i said the shot of the old man coming out of the burning castle with the yellow and red army and then like those scenes at the end and the ending battle are just and then the opening as well like the the them all sitting in the big green uh the green grass is so beautiful those are my three visually favorite parts of the movie for sure yeah 
Uh, definitely, I'd say the best shot in the movie is that that uh, the one the foreground officers with the formation in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's very inspirational. It's very much uh, that feels very Wes Anderson. Um, uh, yes, I can see big influence on Wes. <laughs> this movie I can see has big influence on Wes Anderson, and you wouldn't think it. But in terms of like the way he uses color, the way he sets up shots, um, and like uses stills and and things, mm-hmm. um, though I, I I did say this before the podcast. I noticed that there was at least once that there was a picture, a still picture that they just yeah. put over a green screen of a sky in the back, and the sky was moving behind the still. Yeah, but the still it's, had they, grain that it had like a texture yeah. that was not changing. Though the background mm-hmm. was changing, and I was like, "That yeah, I, that, that looked weird, but cool." Yeah, I liked it. It was uh, it was just like accentuating like crazy clouds just to like uh, set the mood for the next scene. Yeah, um, it's like surreal. It, it made the clouds look more surreal. Um, but yeah, there's just yeah. something off, like uncanny about the bat, like about the about the original the, sky replacement. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, just reverse. I guess it's the real sky, and you just put a cut out of a picture over top of it um of a building but um but all right all right well i'm just gonna go right out and say it this is a big old fiver and this is this could be one of my big one of my new favorites i'm really uh, this is making me want to see way more of this guy's movies yeah i'm i i for some reason i just want to give it a four and a half like the other one i i don't know why i'm not sitting at a full-fledged five i it didn't connect nearly as much as you but i i recognize just how awesome so much of this movie is and uh and just so much of this guy's style i definitely am down to watch more and just i'll just explore more just uh uh, japanese directors uh especially around like the 80s and 90s because if this is anything to go off of i i very much like the style and like the artistic choice of the era Apparently, it's considered his last epic and is often cited as among his finest achievements and is widely regarded as one of the greatest films ever made. Wow. Um, I definitely can see that. Um, I definitely believe that. And I did. I didn't even honestly didn't even know that. I knew Seven Samurai was lauded, but I didn't know where Rand was. I kind of just dove into this off of a screenshot. Um, and uh, I can totally get down with it as one of the greatest films ever made. Uh, I agree. I definitely, I definitely it's no Snyder cut, but it's no, uh, I mean, I don't Nothing ever will be what it did for cinema, reestablishing, making a movie and turning it into a, a, a chaptered episodic epic. Mm. Yeah. No <laughs> one's ever done that. I, I, know. I know. um all right well uh this is i think this is it for best boys um i would love to catch up with you soon so make sure that you follow and subscribe and get down with us for next week uh comment and all the things run you the the video versions on youtube the audio versions on all those streaming services and we'll be back next week um i don't know if we have a episode decided for next week do you have anything do you have anything you'd like to do, or we could? Do you want to stick with we foreign films? I, we could do Korean. We could do Bong Jun Ho. We could. We I don't could, know why, but I thought I thought we talked about doing uh, something doing after this week, the Kurosawa week, but I can't remember what it was. Um. Oh well, it'll come to me. But I don't. I'm I'm done for whatever. 
The I'm trying to think if there's anything new out that's uh, the of of any importance, and I feel like there's not. I don't. Uh, I don't think there is. I think we got time. Yeah, we're in a pretty lull season, probably until May. Until I want to see the Jordan Peele movie that's coming out. Um, oh yeah, Nope will be good. And Nope, and then there, The Northman. I think is actually Robert Eggers' next film. I think it's very soon. He's the guy who did the lighthouse and the witch. Oh. That's April twenty second. So we will be doing Robert Eggers in April. Um, but all right, we'll Is come back. Egg- we can come back to it and we can think about it. I want to do more classics though. That's for sure. While we have the time, um, to do it, um, let's. Do you want to do? Uh, all right, I'll give you a multiple choice. Uh, Stanley Kubrick. Uh, Bong Joon Ho. Is that the guy who did Parasite, or is that? Yeah, the that's the guy who did Parasite. Or Roman Polanski. No, no, no! Fuck that guy. Uh, Andre yeah, I I... Andre Tarkovsky. I don't want to get in a debate about him next week. Uh, uh, I so many people reference Tarkovsky, and I've heard so many. I've heard the phrase. In in like shit talking somebody as oh he's just trying to be the next Tarkovsky or something like that so I kind of need need to know what that's all about. All right, um, I think that's a good place. Um, so I think his two most lauded like the the movies I see most lauded by him are Soccer, uh, Solaris and Andre Rublev. Solaris is a sci-fi film. Stalker, the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, I don't really know anything about Tarkovsky. All right, well, we're doing Tarkovsky. That's that we know. Yeah, let's you know, let's do Stalker and let's do uh, Solaris. And uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll we'll be back next week. And uh, they're both long movies. I see this now. Oh no! Not as long as these. Andre Rublev is the other one that I was de- would debate. How long is that? Well, these are wild looking. Stalker's buck wild. Oh my god! Stalker's one hundred and sixty one minutes, two hours and forty one minutes. God damn! I don't remember old movies being this long. Oh yeah, they're all long. Okay, yeah, no, artsy movies have always been long. I think that's what uh, we just need to accept. I think yeah. that we've ha- watched how many movies over two hours now that we just need to accept that. That is mostly what we're getting. <laughs> I just, <laughs> but yeah. All right, let's let's do. Um, we can do uh, Solaris and Stalker, and we'll be back next week. And uh, make sure you uh, bring the popcorn. It'll be a long one. Bye. <laughs>